welcome to the Easton Library, where reading is a way of life. Let's start with today's table of contents. So we're going to have Jennifer's pick of the book of the month for February. Then we will have the good, the bad, the underappreciated. Then we'll also talk about what we're reading. What else? Uh, We will wrap it up with our discussion about Ready Player One by Ernest Cline, which was our Easton book club pick for February. Um, But today, first, we're going to start off with a quick discussion question. Um, This kind of relates to our book of the month here. Uh, But if you could create a virtual avatar, like from the Ready Player One universe, what would it look like, act like, and do? Yeah, so um, would you choose an avatar that was reminiscent of you and your look, or would you just go sci-fi style, a giant ogre or a tiny fairy or something crazy like that? Um, I'm pretty unoriginal, so I would probably just have an avatar that was reminiscent of me, um, that just kind of probably acted very similar than, to things that I did. What about you? I'd probably go the exact opposite route would be my guess. I'd probably do more like giant features, big, strong, huge guy, you know, be able to fly and do all sorts of neat stuff. But yeah, I would go the opposite route. It would probably wouldn't look anything like me, probably wouldn't, wouldn't act a whole lot like me. I might keep my personality intact, but that'd be about it. Yeah, I don't know. Um, So what would you do would be the question. I feel like I'd spend a lot of time just exploring and maybe trying to do different things that I couldn't do here on Earth um, that were just a little unique and try new things, I guess. Go live in the different worlds and just see how it worked out. Yeah, I agree. And we'll get to more of that discussion as we talk about um, this past book of our book club for um, that particular book for Ready Player One. But uh Yeah, why don't we get into our good, bad, and underappreciated books. So So, uh, this month, Kenny is doing the good and the underappreciated, and I am going to choose the bad. That's right. So I guess we'll start with me with the good. So I picked Jurassic Park by Michael Crichton. Um, If you haven't, these are kind of throwback book. What was that? Late 80s, early 90s uh, book. But um, Michael Crichton, great writer, first of all. And the story, we're all familiar with the, the movie Jurassic Park, but you, you may not be familiar with the book, and the book was obviously written first, but a great book, so descriptive. He's an excellent writer, like I said, um, but don't let, the, if you go to read this book, don't let the movie influence your perception of the book going in because the book is not exactly the same in fact if you're familiar with the whole jurassic park series the movies one and three both take place in the first book so all the stuff with the pterodactyls if you remember that from the third movie take place in the first book uh the whole aviarian thing so um anyway that's really neat and that's my good book so if you haven't read that one and you like a good thriller novel with a bunch of dinosaurs in it then that's the book for you go check it out um so for the bad i have a book that i actually just finished called mexican gothic um it was by sylvia moreno garcia and i was super excited to read this because i had gotten a lot of recommendations and it's kind of like on everybody's to read list 
Um, and it started off really good. You know, it started off as kind of this like gothic house in Mexico City or kind of on the outskirts of Mexico City. Um, and, you know, this young woman went to visit her cousin who had kind of written her this mysterious letter. Um, and it started out as she was just kind of exploring this beautiful house and it kind of gave off these really cool like old school mansion vibes. Um, but then it just got really, really weird. Um, it took like a super dark turn and just... The things that just kept happening were so unrealistic that they weren't even enjoyable anymore just because it was just so out of the realm of normal. Hmm. Interesting. And was it the story about the house or was it just taking place? It was a story about the house and particularly kind of the patriarch of the house um, and just kind of the things that he did in to the people that were living there. And he kind of had them under this strange spell, but there was a lot of other things involved. Um, it just it took a really bad turn and I didn't really enjoy the end. So it was more the content that you didn't enjoy as opposed to like the writing style and um, things well, like that? Well, I listened to this on audio, so there's a little difference there. It's harder for me to kind of judge writing style when I listen to something. Um, I didn't love the narrator, uh, and it just kind of was like, when is this book going to be over? Uh, so I really wouldn't mm. give it high marks in any any area. Well, that's no good. That explains why it's in the bad category, though, right? So uh, my underappreciated is in that same genre, same author, and the sequel to the book I just mentioned for the good. So this is The Lost World by Michael Crichton. Um, This is the sequel to Jurassic Park. Now, if you saw The Lost World movie, it was not very good. Um... But if you remember at the beginning of the Lost World movie, they address these big, these big RVs that they're going to take on to the island to to try to um, basically observe and see what the ecosystem of the dinosaurs has turned into over the past decade or two, um, left to its own devices. Well, in the book, it's. I mean, it's a long description, but it's a very cool description and very intricate about all of the, like the high hide and the various things that they use to hide from the dinosaurs and to go tag the dinosaurs and all the equipment that they packed into these big RVs. Um, and it was just a, it's a great book. In fact, I think that I liked The Lost World better than the Jurassic Park book-wise. Movie-wise, it wasn't even close. The The original Jurassic Park movie is far superior to any of the rest, but, um, in my opinion anyway, but, um, as far as the books go, the lost world, it is excellent, but do read them in order because it is relevant. Um, the characters, there's overlap and things like that. So, um, but super underappreciated, especially as a sequel, I would say the lost world by Michael Crichton. Go get it. It's awesome book. So Jen, I think that takes us to what you're reading. Um, Let's hear it. What are you reading now? So after finishing Ready Player One, which was our book club book this month, I chose to read Ready Player Two um, by the same author, Ernest Cline. Um, And so far, you know, I'm only about 100 or so pages in, but it's kind of just telling the story of what happens after the Ready Player One book. Cool. And we'll get into some spoilers about Ready Player One later um, that I'm sure will lead into the Ready Player Two, but we won't spoil any of that because who knows, we may choose Ready Player Two for a book club book in the future. Um, and I'm also reading In the Woods by Tana French. Um, and it is kind of a mystery book that I've gotten a lot of recommendations for. It's an older one, um, but I just started it, so I don't have much on that one yet. Gotcha. In the Woods. 
Um, all right, well, uh, what am I reading then? I'm still reading Dead Zone, but I'm almost done with that. And um, it got a lot more interesting as it went, but it, it still, I guess I just still haven't hit the climax, but I will let you know what I think of that when I get there. And then also I'm reading our next month's book club book. I am reading The Wrong Family. Um, so, the, or, yeah, that's right. We're doing The Wrong Family this coming month. And March, then um, I have picked a book for following month. So the book of March is the wrong family. And, um, it, it's an easy read, but I'm, I don't love it yet. Um, obviously we'll talk about that in book club of the month next episode. Um, but so far I give it a big old meh. <laughs> so, um, let's get into this week's cookbook. Right? Is that where we're at? Cookbook? Uh, we missed February, Book of the Month. Oh, Book of the Month. Okay, Jen. So, uh, the favorite book that I read throughout February was actually The Wives by Taryn Fisher, which is the same author of The Wrong Family. Um, so, I'd read this, and I really enjoyed it, and she's kind of this new author in terms of, like, thriller and kind of just really gets you thinking about things. Um, and the wives I thought was really good, which was why I suggested wrong family. Uh, so I thought that that would be a good thing for Kenny and I to get into, cause we don't share a lot of the same genre interests. Um, and he really likes kind of the Stephen King psychological thriller idea. So I thought this might be a good kind of compromise for us. And I think that's accurate. It's just, uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll get to the details of it later, but right. I don't know. What did you think of it? Of um, the wrong family? Yeah. Um, I think we had some similar kind of thoughts there. I was a little underwhelmed. Okay, okay. And obviously we'll talk details. But The time. Wives was really good, so I would I would suggest that one. Okay. Now, our featured cookbook. Hey, hey the cookbook of the month. So tell us um, about this book. Uh, so this is a book that Kenny and I picked up at, I think it was a Borders back when they were alive. Um, just kind of on like the two ninety nine table or whatever. Back was, when the bookstore was still living. Yes. When we would do that once a week. Um, but it's called the complete book of 400 soups. Um, and it's published by Hermes house. Uh, so we picked this book up and you know, it's been kind of chilly here in Colorado. So we figured, you know, this was a good month to kind of talk about soups. Uh, cause we, we like to make a big pot of soup on a Sunday and let it last for a couple days as our lunch and dinners. Um, but one of the soups that we really like is the garlic soup recipe from the book. Yeah, and if you're on YouTube, um, I will put that up on the screen here or link it in the description um, so that you can have the recipe and how to make it. But it's very simple. It's a little half-page recipe, um, but it was delicious. We enjoyed it a lot, um, and it wasn't it wasn't overpoweringly garlicky. Mm -hmm. um, and we love garlic in general, but it wasn't over-garlicky, I didn't think. Well, that's another thing I like about the soup book in general is that all the recipes have been kind of super easy mm -hmm. um, and kind of simple. So it's good to have like for a weeknight meal or something yeah. when you want something quick. Well, and on a personal note, we garden quite a bit and we grow garlic every year. So that's kind of one that we always have hanging and curing in the garage where we can just go down and get chicken stock from our chickens and garlic from our garden and go and make some uh make some soup but yeah we sure enjoy that one so check that recipe out here and uh go check it out make it for yourself let us know what you think down in the comments all right i think that brings us to our easton book club where we are discussing ready player one by ernest klein ready player one so um 
What do you think? Should we just give a quick synopsis? Yeah, um, just like a quick summary so we're all on the same page. Sure. Well, first, what did you think? Did you, did you like the book? So I thought it was a very unique idea, um, but I did not grow up in the generation of video gaming of the 80s and early 90s even, um, like you did. So I couldn't really relate to a lot of the references, uh, but I thought it was an interesting idea and just kind of something that I don't think I've ever read of an author exploring. Yeah, um, I know there's a little other stuff in that genre, a few other books in that genre, um, but yeah, for the most part, it is very unique, and I, I found it enjoyable. Like Jen said, I, I grew up gaming in that era, in that world. Um, but so this this book, the uh, Ernest Klein, drops us in in 2045, the year 2045, and uh, we follow the story of Wade Watts, um, and he's, what, a teenager, young teenager at the beginning of the book, and um, this is a world in the future where virtual reality is lord of all. It is what everybody's involved in. You can take part in commerce. All the kids go to school in a virtual classroom. And the way it basically works is similar to our new modern, newfangled kind of um, virtual reality sets where they would put on a headset and a headphone set and then have, um, what did they call them, haptic suits, mm -hmm. haptic gloves, where they could interact with the world around them virtually, but with their hands. And of yeah. course, as we go through the story, those setups and those rigs get much more intense to the point where there's moving tracks underneath them and that they can immerse themselves completely in this world, even to the point of smell. Well, I think it's important to also note that the reason they have this world is because their world has been destroyed. Yeah. Um, you know, they're dealing with overpopulation. They're dealing with poverty. Um, you know, the kid, Wade Watts, who decides to kind of immerse himself into this world and we follow him, he's just got a really horrible life. Yeah. Um, so I think it's kind of important to see maybe like the parallels or the predictions for mm -hmm. the future also that's made there. Well, and it's a very, for him, it's a very literal escape, but for, you know, a lot of people in that world, I think it was the same. Um, he lived in a small apartment and it's basically cubicle stacked on cubicle, you know, shipping container kind of life, if you can fi figure it that way, stacked on stacked on stacked on stacked on stacked. Um, and so people on top of people. And so you basically get this vision of, of all these people logging on when they wake up in the morning and spending their whole life in this little box, um, you know, and you could see how that would lead to displeasure and things with the people around you in real life where nobody can live up to what they are in the game or in the oasis, as they call it. Um, so as kind of a relief from that real life, James Halliday, um, and does he have any like significance or is he just a made up person? No, he's he's the creator of the oasis, but in real life, I don't know that okay. there's significance. So there. he's the creator of the oasis in the uh, book, um, but he kind of gets this like hunt for they call them easter eggs and so the players have to find three easter eggs in order to inherit the prize which is basically holiday's entire fortune um and control over this oasis universe mm -hmm. yeah and the the search for this main egg which is the victory which is you know inheriting this whole world this whole idea um and then also, I mean, well, the creator of Holiday has his own avatar in this world. Um, that's why we kind of started about talking avatars. But you create your own avatar. And so the guy who created this world has this avatar, Anorak, who is the ultimate powerful avatar. And so if you win this game, if you find this final Easter egg, um, you get to be 
have basically the master key to this whole world where you can travel in and out of the different private platforms and rooms and worlds and planets. And um, so anyway, basically, he's the architect, uh, him and one other guy who's relative, relevant to the story, but we won't talk too much about him. Um, so as they're looking for these Easter eggs, uh, the main character, Wade, kind of meets some friends along the way. He's in the elite class, I would say, of like the hunters. Yeah, they call them Gunthers. Gunthers. uh, Egg hunters. Gunters. Gunthers. Um, So he knows a lot about Halliday. He's studied the references, and that kind of makes him really good at this. Um, So he and a couple others, Artemis and then um, Dido and H Mm -hmm. and Shoto, they're kind of like the main people that are in the lead for these. And they kind of go back and forth between one of them getting the egg first and the other one getting it first. The keys, yeah, the yeah. keys to the gates. Oh, yeah, the yeah, so they're seeking these three keys to these three gates, which will eventually lead them to the Easter egg. Um, but they, the unique thing about these people is that you don't know who they really are with the exception of Wade. You know, all you see is their avatar. And so you've got H being this big hulking guy, you know, and then you've got... Um, you know, which in real life we find out later that that's not the case at all. You know, um, she's a she's a short black woman, right? And so it's just kind of, I don't know. It's funny that they none of them are who they say they are. Um, you know, which is is just kind of interesting. But Wade, his Percival is his name in the game, um, which has significance. Do you remember what that was? I don't. One of the Knights of the Round Table. Okay. Yeah. So <clears throat> Percival, anyway. Percival H and um, these other people that he meets in the game Artemis, they're called Gunthers and they're egg hunters is, is what that is um, acronym for. But anyway, they're looking for the eggs and they have found well, the keys. They're looking for the keys and they have found clues, but nobody at the beginning of the story has ever found a key. And it's been years, you know, what, five years or eight years or something like that before anybody even found the first key. Um, but the cool thing about it is that they have this whole encyclopedia type thing plus journals from uh holiday and so they can look up all the things that holiday wrote and all of these little tidbits that other gunthers have collected throughout time and they can pull that up in their view in their screen and they can use that to cross-reference things and that's how this whole egg hunter um hysteria builds and so there's thousands of egg hunters in fact there's a an uh, ioi is this company that has dedicated all of its time and resources to having Gunther's, which they call Sixers, um, go into the Oasis and try to find the egg. That's their whole job. Crazy. Um, I think what you, when you mentioned the part about them being able to like look in the journals and look up these references, that was the coolest part to me was like imagining this huge virtual library where you just have like stacks and stacks and rows and rows of everything that's ever been written. Um, and I really like that part of it, which I know probably wasn't a highlight for most people, but I thought that would be cool just to be able to think like, Oh, I'd like to check this book or this reference. And it just be right there in front of you. Yeah, it just pops up on your screen. And, and incidentally, we're kind of starting to get to that point with uh, some of the optics that we have, smart optics and things where you can project your Google and calendars and things up onto your, onto your glasses. So it's kind of neat. Um, so the eighties theme kind of runs throughout, um, yeah, you know, we see yeah. reenactments of war games and the Holy Grill and Blade Runner and all these kinds of like movies and video games and things that 
were totally 80s kids Yeah, related. especially once we get into the challenges. He has yeah. to he has to beat games like Joust and he Pac-Man. has to Yeah, yeah, the and the fact the Pac-Man thing ends up being a big big event. Yeah, for ends him. up being a big thing. So he I forget what the name of that particular world was, but it was a gaming world where you'd go arcade. Was yeah, the name well, of the world. he was at like a pizza place or something, wasn't yeah. he? That had like all these arcade games and he played the Pac Man game. Sure. Um, which ended up giving him like this quarter and mm-hmm. he thought it was just like a normal quarter and he just kind of kept it, but it, it ended up being his inventory, yeah. super important to him later. Yeah, so we'll get that, I suppose. Or Well, anyway, uh, uh, he gets through the first couple gates, and he's competing primarily with H and Artemis, um, as well as um, Shido and Dido, or Dido and Shoto. Um, but anyway, it gets to the point where they all kind of team up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the they get to this third gate, and all the Sixers, you know, thousands of Sixers with their avatars and all of their weapons and all of their special items are all at this gate as well. Um, and so there's this big, epic, cool battle where they all use their robots, and um, there's a Mecha Godzilla, and and you know, um, it's just neat. It's it, that was a cool scene. I thought maybe Jen didn't find it quite as entertaining as I did, but anyway, um. You know, and, and again, there are spoilers here for sure. Uh, at that gate, right as um, I think it's, is it Percival? Right as Percival's crossing through the gate um, with his friends, because it took all three of them to get through the gate. Right as they're crossing it, the Sixers ex- detonate this basically world-ending mm-hmm. item that they have collected. Um, Which includes the real world as well as their Oasis world. I didn't, well, I, yeah, I don't know that that, the real world, I don't think so, but it was Shido got blown up during that in his real world. So like the Sixers are a real organization. They don't just exist in the Oasis. So, um, like if you were to threaten this company or step on their toes, like some of these Gunthers did, um, they would come after you in real life. And I think that they, they ran those in parallel mm-hmm. because was it Dido or Shoto that ended up getting blown up? I can't remember which um, one was. They were brothers. Yeah. but So they were brothers, but not in real life. They were, I don't think they were actually brothers. Were they? Were. Yeah. Anyway, but regardless, um, so one of the brothers ends up, you know, getting killed in an explosion by the Sixers in the real world simultaneously to when they're detonating this bomb in, in the other world. Um, the oasis as um, well as percival's family and his whole like yeah so earlier situation. on in the story that was one of the reasons so so he found the first key as we said mm-hmm. percival did um and the obviously the sixers weren't real happy about that so they came after him in the real world and said either you give us the secrets or you give us the you know guidance or become a sixer um or we go after your family we blow them up and he thought they were bluffing and they were not bluffing. They blew up his aunt and his uncle and his whole family and then his whole block of, you know, whatever you would call those shipping container houses kind of thing. So, but this coin that he won kind of gives him immunity to that. Um, so yeah. he is not killed in either the real life explosions or the virtual Yeah, he avoids the real life explosions yeah. because he's in, well, he's in his van in the right. junkyard a right. ways away, but he hears and feels the initial explosion. But then when he's, you know, later in the, in the, the story, um, when they're all outside the third gate and the Sixers detonate this, like Jen said, he had this quarter that he didn't know was used for anything, but it turns out it was an extra life. Um, so he, all his, all the Sixers get blown up, all, his friends' avatars all get blown up at this stage, and then he's right there at the gate. 
just him and that's all that's left everything around it's blown up so he ends up getting into the third gate after this massive battle and giant explosion um and then of course he triumphs over his various trials in that one during the third gate including a game of tempest another reference to a cool uh 80s game um but a you know and then obviously uh he ends the whole story getting getting the prize getting the egg and uh, then everything that comes with it Right. And one of the things I thought was really cool, because it just kind of shows kind of the little touch of humanity, even though we're dealing with virtual reality and we're dealing with this whole futuristic thing, is he shares his money prize because he in, inherits like billions of dollars, yeah. um, you know, in addition to the kingdom, basically. Um, but he shares it with his friends, uh, yeah. which I thought was kind of cool, you know, and they had all kind of shared secrets along the way and helped each other out. But I thought it was cool that at the end, you know, he still remembered that. Um, and he split that with them. Yeah, and the third gate was almost a reminder of that because yeah. they couldn't get through the third gate without three of them. And I think that that was a school of rock puzzle, actually, mm -hmm. um, which was kind of a neat throwback to my childhood as well. Bill sitting on the on the stairs of the Capitol. Anyway, um, but yeah, so uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed it a lot. I thought it was a really cool idea. Um, I thought that there were a couple other neat, like you referenced the humanity of it. I thought it was neat to when when the main character when wade would come out of the world and he would have to deal with these horrible things like skirting up to his building not taking the steps and so that's why they thought he was in there to explode him or mm -hmm. or things like um shaving his body from head to toe so that he could wear his haptic suit better um and him you know realizing he was getting fat and so making it so that he forced himself to do a 20 minute workout before he could be in the oasis every day and eventually became this real strong completely shaven guy <laughs> you know like just kind of odd things like that um kind of lent to the humanity of it and then also you know like uh like shadow or do i don't remember which one it was but whichever brother died um i think that having him die both in the real world and then also having his avatar just slump over and be gone um kind of lent humanity to the whole story but well it I, makes you wonder yeah. too like if you have this virtual reality like does it really serve its purpose of being a virtual reality if you still have to deal with the realities of life you know is it still like worth the whole escape from reality when you're still going to have those consequences yeah, and it seemed like they just carried everything over into the virtual world. Mm -hmm. You know, like you still had to work, but you were working for virtual money that you could spend in a virtual world, you know. and Well, and there was still, you know, like division of social class. You know, mm -hmm. you could tell like the avatars who didn't have enough money because they had just the very basic avatar thing. Yeah, or they couldn't travel. Like right. that was one of Percival's initial problems mm -hmm. is that he would go to the school planet and be stuck there. Um you know, but whereas H was wealthy and mm -hmm. could travel around and do whatever she wanted or he wanted, um, you know, same for Artemis. They had big catches in their inventory and could do lots of things. Um, whereas Percival, that was not necessarily the case, at least starting out. Right. Obviously, once he found that first key, he kind of became a celebrity. And um, I also thought the scope of it was cool because it is a kind of epic. It takes place over years and years and years. Um, you get to know the characters pretty well and they get to know each other really well. And uh, I don't know, it's just neat. And if you're an 80s kid, you know, great great book um yeah so which character do you think you emulate the most oh man or so what would type you of be character a... would you be a hunter would you be you know artemis who's just kind of who totally puts on this different persona virtually would you be a bad guy casual 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like if you lived in that reality, if you lived where everything was just a, a cubicle of life and you had to hide behind your, you know, your aunt's dryer in order to log on to the Oasis, I think then I would be a Gunther. You know, then I would be somebody that just committed myself to learning everything I could about Holiday and about mm-hmm. the the worlds that he created and about the 80s and 90s gaming and all that stuff. Um, but of course, that's what the story's about. That's what right. they want you to do. Um, but if I had to pick one to be, it would probably be H, just because H's story is cool. Yeah. Um, you know, both her avatar life and real life, like I thought was an interesting, you know, because she's living in a mobile van unit mm-hmm. with, you know, she was just a cool character, I thought. Yeah. So if I had to pick one character to be, um, it would be her throughout the story. And then I'd pick Percival at the end so I could have all access to the Oasis, you know, for sure. What about you? I feel like I'd be a casual user that just got stuck in the library. Yeah. yeah I would, just I would not be the hunter. I would just be using the virtual reality for all the cool things I've had to offer. Just find a comfy chair and you'd go <laughs> sit yeah. through, read the library. Yep. So your life wouldn't change. You just wouldn't have to go to a physical library. Yeah, you'd just, just have it do appear. it virtually. Yeah. Mm. I think that's probably accurate. <laughs> um, so you've already said you would read in that reality, same as you do in this reality. Mm-hmm. Um, I would probably do anything I couldn't do in this reality. I would be flying spaceships and I would be fighting with lightsabers. And um, Jen's character would probably live forever and my character would die like <laughs> weekly and I'd have to restart um, just because I would be quite a bit more risky. I'd read too, but I'd probably just put on an audiobook while I was fighting with my lightsaber on a foreign planet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so do you think Wade, as the main character, regretted his choices since they kind of involved destruction of his whole hometown and some people that were close to him, including his family, part of his family and his friend? Yeah, he did like the lady that lived downstairs mm-hmm. and she didn't make it. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, and his family wasn't great to him mm. anyway, so I don't think that was a big thing. Yeah. But he does kind of show remorse for having his whole hometown, if that's what you want to call it, destroyed. Home pod. Home yeah. pod, yeah. Yeah, I, I think he regretted his choices, but I think that if you asked him that at the end of the story, he would say that it was probably worth it. Like, he met great friends, lifelong friends. He, well, he won... <laughs> he, well, he, the changed his, yeah. he changed his entire lifestyle yeah and his trajectory yeah. and his future and brought his friends with him um so i bet there were regrets certain regrets in his choices um but i mean that's kind of for anybody hindsight's twenty twenty. you know none of us think we did things perfectly in hindsight so um and we actually watched the movie oh yeah oh goodness gracious and and it was a well, what was your impression? Because I'm I'm the '80s kid. Um, the movie didn't really have any of the references. Uh, so I think that the movie was really, it was a good movie separately from the book. Um, and I also thought that the movie leaned a little young adult. So it kind of really reminded me of um, like Divergent and Hunger Games, even um, in that like dystopia aspect. So I think that it was yeah, it did have that feel. To it, it was geared towards teenagers and young adults mm. who maybe hadn't read the book or didn't really catch on to the references. Well, and certainly didn't grow up in the eighties. Right. So yeah, they, they brought in more like, I don't know, like even the, the opening racing and King Kong being there and all that kind of stuff. Like it was, it was much more of a, 
a throw to a modern Mario Kart than it was like an old school. Which that might have been on game. purpose, you know, like yeah. they're not going for, you know, the 30 and 40 year old people out there to sure. see the movie. They're going for the younger people. Well, and, fi- and making it entertaining with Pac-Man and Joust and, yeah. and those games versus making it entertaining with a live action racing game mm-hmm. where they're all their avatar in a car. And, yeah. you know, it's just easier uh, dramatically and cinematically to put that together. But it was a good movie, just not a good retelling of the book. Yeah, I agree. Um, I felt like it fell short, especially in the feel of the book was totally nostalgia. It was 80s and 90s, and it was games, and it was um, pop culture, and it was music, and it was specific movies, like you said, war games, and, and other books like that, or other movies like that, that were uh, they were just integral to the book. And then totally left out completely of the movie and that kind of bothered me but well and also it's a pretty lengthy book you know um so they obviously had to cut some things out and they probably you know the idea of being thematically and visually pleasing probably beat out like all of the little references that you catch in the book yeah it almost seems like it would have been better as a mini series where you could like make getting the first key the first part of the miniseries and then the gate the second part and etc you could make like a six or eight or ten uh you know episode series for that kind of thing mm-hmm. but yeah i think the movie fell a little bit short but but i enjoyed the book a lot and it's not that i didn't enjoy the movie it's i expected as i always do and wrongly i expect it to be as good as the book i and never expect never it is good. so um yeah any other thoughts on the book um no you want to give us some suggested reading in that genre so yeah if you you know enjoyed the genre and you enjoyed the book um or even if you kind of liked it but you still couldn't relate to all the references like me um first of all ready player two i think is a good suggestion to start with it kind of drops you right into the action um three months after wade has won uh, the whole tournament and it kind of shows you how he's dealing with his new life and it brings in all the old characters so far um, that we knew uh, Artemis and H um, and Dido or Shoto one of the ones um, and they also or they actually discover a new virtual reality that's like even better than the one that they have in Ready Player One um, so they're also dealing with how they're gonna like revamp that and throw that out to the world. Oh, cool. And I haven't read that one yet, but it's on my list of, of books to get to. And that's I all did in the first 20 the first pages, one. so I didn't ruin anything. Uh, I, I appreciate that. Um, but another one that I really liked and I didn't think I would enjoy is called Exhalation. And it's a book of short stories by Ted Chiang, C-H-I-A-N-G. Um, and it's kind of all like this sci-fi idea. And the sci-fi theme runs through it. The short stories don't really go together, but they're all pretty interesting and unique in that way. Um, And one of the ones that stood out to me as being kind of similar to Ready Player One was that they have this futuristic world in which everybody has, they call them um, bots, like B-O-T. And they have these bots that they can control in an alternate reality, but then the bots start coming into their real world. Hmm. um, And they like become attached to them as if they were their pets or their dogs or their kids. Um, So Exhalation, I think in general, just had some really neat sci-fi elements to it. Interesting, interesting. I'd say if you want another throwback, but um, futuristic throwback, I guess you would say, I'd say Stephen King's Running Man is um, is kind of a neat one. It's where he, uh, a father, needs to pay his son's medical expenses, um, and they basically put him in a reality game show where he's fighting for his life. 
Um, but it, it's the same kind of thing, almost like a Hunger Games kind of mm-hmm. feel. Um, but this one is much more game show oriented. So that one very similar to Most Dangerous Game. Similar, yeah, very similar, except it's a game show style instead of like a island kind of thing but um but yeah definitely worth reading that one's a good book um and i think that was an 80s or 90s book and it's under the name richard bachman correct oh yeah it was originally published under richard bachman yeah very true um and then they made a movie of that one too Mm -hmm. with arnold schwarzenegger that was uh not bad good 80s 90s flick if you're looking for something um anyway but yeah i think that pretty much wraps up our conversation about ready player one uh and it's it's other books that are similar so, um, to end our conversation about the book club, let's talk a little bit about March's upcoming book. And that was referenced earlier, The Wrong Family by Taryn Fisher. Um, Jen had said a few things about it. It is a psychological thriller. I'm reading it right now. Um, so go ahead and find that. March's book, again, is The Wrong Family by Taryn Fisher. Give that a read. And again, like we remind you every time, no spoilers in the comments until we discuss that book. So in this comment section on this particular podcast episode, we would love to hear your thoughts on Ready Player One. We'd love to have you guys discuss your favorite characters and plots. And um, if you had the opportunity to build an avatar in the Oasis, uh, what would you do? What would you look like? How would you act? Um, We'd love to hear all those things down in the comments. Um, And then anything that we missed, if you got other insights or observations we'd love to hear those too um we also have chosen april's book of the month which is gentlemen in moscow by immortals yes gentlemen in moscow and um we've both read this book um just recently Mm -hmm. um but we both enjoyed it and jen enjoyed it a lot so um and it's not that i didn't and we'll talk more about that when we get to april um but go ahead and get to those two books the wrong family by taryn fisher and gentlemen in moscow by amar tools um so i think that concludes the final chapter in today's episode thank you for tuning in to the easton library where reading is a way of life if you enjoy the podcast please give us a like and a share with all the book lovers in your life yes and don't forget to subscribe on youtube or wherever you listen to podcasts this has been kenny and jennifer thanks for checking us out